Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. In this episode, our senior technical editor across Bike Radar and Cycling Plus magazine, Warren Rossiter, sits down with Sam Ebert and Nathan Barry, two of the key players behind the development of the new Cannondale Super 6 Evo. Sam is a product manager for Cannondale, while Nathan is one of the brand's design engineers. At the launch of the fourth generation Super 6 Evo in Girona, Warren quizzed the pair on how Cannondale has improved the bike's aero performance, why the Evo has moved to a threaded bottom bracket, the reconfiguration of the frame's front end to make for a more user-friendly fit, and Cannondale's launch of the Lab 71 tier of Halo bikes. To find out more about the new Super 6 Evo, yesterday's podcast includes Warren's full tech overview of the new bike, as well as his first ride impressions. We've included a link to that episode in the show notes, and you'll also find links to our coverage on BikeRadar.com. For now, it's over to Warren, Sam and Nathan in Girona. Hi, welcome to Bike Radar. We're out here in Girona. We've just been riding the brand new Cannondale Super 6 Evo, and I'm with Nathan and Sam, two of the guys behind this bike. So if you guys would uh, introduce yourselves and tell us what you did as regards to this. Sure. I'll start. Uh, my name is Sam Ebert. I've been in Cannondale for five years and I'm a product manager on the road racing lineup. I'm Nathan Barry and I'm a design engineer on the road engineering team. I've been at the company for about seven years and I work on all of our fast race bikes basically. That's great. Um, so let's get down into the meat of it. This is probably one of the most exciting bikes to be launched in 2023. It's one we've been really, really excited about. But we've got a lot of changes going on here. Um, so if you can just give me a, a, just a little highlight package of what the goals were for this, um, what you wanted to change, and what you didn't, more importantly, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Yeah, I can start there. 
the goals were simple for this bike, make it faster, make it lighter. Um, for the faster part of that equation, Nathan Berry is uh, our weapon of choice. And then he worked very closely over the shoulder of the design engineer responsible for creating the structure. So um, it, was a, it was a collaboration between them to both shed grams and make the bike more slippery for a better uh, result in the wind tunnel and of course the real, the real world. So, uh, if I turn to you then, Nathan. Obviously, your um, big arrival at, at Cannondale was the System 6. Um, still to this day, independently tested as one of the fastest aero-optimized road bikes out there. Um, and we can see a lot of the influence has been brought to Evo. What, what were the challenges um, of making what is a lightweight all-round race bike more aerodynamic, yet still keeping its, its character, as I yeah, uh, I guess the, the first one then is about weight. So managing airflow requires surface area. And so surface area obviously equates to weight. The more carbon it takes to build a frame, the more mass you have. So at every decision point on the bike, every surface, every element, we're sitting there and optimizing around how much do we need to add versus how much can we take away and then on top of the weight question is also structural efficiency. So one of the things you need to preserve on a bike like Evo is it needs to maintain its ride character. So Evos have a good reputation for brilliant handling and responsiveness. And those stiffness elements that we have for head tube stiffness, fork stiffness, bottom bracket, steering geometry, all those kinds of things play into that ride character. So preserving that is essential. And then everything we do beyond that has to preserve kind of the core identity of the bike and then take it further forward. So there are some really interesting elements on this bike. I mean, it's following suit to new Topstone, new Synapse. Um, you've switched over to a threaded BB. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you guys pioneered BB30. It was a staple of the bike for, for so, so long. Um, what's the thinking behind um, the switch over to, to threaded from from the press fit? BSA really lets us address what is a great market for drivetrains at the moment. Um, you can buy anything from a 13-speed to a 12-speed drivetrain, uh, multiple tooth patterns, chain lines, uh, chain thicknesses all coming into play. And ri rather than uh, produce a multitude of chain rings to be compatible with the various awesome drivetrains on market, we decided we would move to a standard BSA threads that allow um, various and widespread compatibility and support um, for all major drivetrain manufacturers on market currently. So I guess one of the things that I've really sort of noticed on this Evo is there's almost been a shift away from proprietary systems, which Canada do have a reputation for having quite a lot. But there are proprietary systems on this, but they seem to be more evolved. So they're you know, um, if, so Nathan, if I can ask you about the, the front end, because I think this is this is particularly intriguing because it uses standardized parts, but it's doing something very different. Right. So I, I guess the the core to that is our delta steerer. So the uh, the steerer tube of the bike is no longer round. It's a it's basically a round with angled sides cut out of it to make a semi triangular shape. But what that means is that it still manages everything through a standard inch and an eighth upper bearing. So the interface above the fork and the sort of compression assembly is exactly the same as you would find on any other bike. So uh, if you choose, the bike will be compatible with any normal stem. So you can use the dust cover that interfaces with our head tube. 
and then you can put whatever copy you want onto it. So we sort of wanted to work on a system that took it a step forward in terms of writer usability, but also delivering our performance goals. So we'd done something different on our previous generation and we've seen many other companies take different avenues. And we sort of put that through our own prism of problem solving and thought, okay, how do we take this, put our own spin on it and figure out something that basically delivers you know, to all, both of those needs. We want the, the cable integration and management, the clean looks, uh, but also not force people into a component selection that you know, might not work for their particular needs. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, that becomes really apparent when you see um, the range you're launching with. I mean, I know it's not the complete range. We're still expecting quite a few more bikes um, throughout the cycle of the of the, of the model. But um, when you're taking like the super top-end bike, there's this all-new one-piece bar, super aero, super slick, super light, designed in conjunction with Momo, um, right down to the base model, which is just using a standard Cannondale one-stem and yeah, whatever bar you, you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look to the to your, your pro team guys, they're co-sponsored by Vision, so you're using the, the FSA ACR, it's compatible with this system too. So it seems to, to me that you've kept that Canada identity of using innovative proprietary design, but here it's almost like a there's a new thinking of we don't have to make things different for the sake of being different, you know, they yeah. have to perform. Yeah. Now, is that something that, you know, is that, is that a product management thing or was that a design engineering thing or is it a collaboration of both? It's, it's truly a collaboration in the end. Uh, when we set out to um, d- draw out what we call the product specifications of these developments, it's a very collaborative effort. And the, the desire from product management was uh, this widespread compatibility of various aftermarket compati- uh, cockpits and um, in a sea of bikes that would really lock you into proprietary systems, particularly in terms of cockpit arrangement, the solution we came up actually was being different, right? So it may seem kind of uh, normal, but we consider it actually radically an, uh, different from what our competitors are doing. I think every time we try and make, if we're making something innovative or unique, it's to deliver some advantage to the end user, whether that's a performance goal or a usability Mm -hmm. goal or those kinds of things. So, you know, in the case of the original BB30, for example, that was quite a big step forward in crankset uh, weight savings, basically. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, we made that choice in pursuit of a goal. And it's the same with Delta Steer is we want to deliver something, but, you know, part of that element is cockpit fit is kind of essential to how you experience your bike. So if for whatever reason you don't fit on the cockpit that your bike comes with, then we want to make sure that you are going to be 100% happy riding your bike every day because that's what we like to do on our bike rides and we want everyone that owns a Cannondale to feel the same thing. Right. And then I guess if we move you know, further down the bike, um, there's some really interesting things going on. There's a new bottle cage and bottle system, which is quite cool. Um, but I really want to talk about that back end because the one thing that you have, I've noticed is just the sheer smallness and the thinness of that. It's a really intriguing piece of design. I mean, today when we were out riding, you know, um, as per usual, following you two guys up a hill, one of you's on the old Evo, one's on the new, and the older Evo Generation 3 is really slim at the back end. I mean, that D-shaped post is effectively like 25 mil wide. About that. Uh, this one's getting off like half that size. Yeah. It, it looks almost impossibly thin, but it rides just uh, beautifully. Now, that's also meant a repositioning of the DI2 battery, which for me is a great thing. I've had too many experiences with either losing a cable down the seat post when you when you take the seat post out, or severing a cable when a seat post slips in the rain, mm-hmm. which we get a lot in the UK. Um, now you've completely repositioned the DI2 battery, which has freed up that area of design. So I guess what I want to know is which came first? <laughs> was it was it your aero pushing? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, it's probably me. Uh, I'm usually the one that tries to make all the hard decisions. That, that pushes for uh, deeper chord lengths? Yeah, it's Nathan. Yeah, or just, you know, what can we, what what can make it faster and then let's figure out how to do it. So I, uh, working from Evo 3, I started to identify which areas of bike I thought could extract more aerodynamic performance without, you know, and preserving other areas that were already doing a good job or were more important for um, saving weight or preserving stiffness, for example. So seat post, top of seat tube is really, really critical because with your legs in play, they actually accelerate the air through that area. So you're seeing sort of like a a magnification of the drag effect of those elements. So we wanted to play around with how could we do that. And, you know, you can go to a very deep cord length, but that has implications for weight. It has implications for stiffness and obviously aesthetics as well. We want this bike to look and feel like a sort of modern interpretation of a classic race bike. Um, And so I sort of drove towards this very slender seat post. um, And then that brought the problem of, okay, well, where are we gonna put the battery now? We've got to figure something out. So uh, when we're doing engineering concepts, we're sort of free from some constraints initially to play around with what you can do. And, you know, as it turns out, that actually opened the door to this new opportunity, which is, oh, if we don't have to put the battery in the seat post, it makes, cable routing easier, it makes seat posts changing more easy. So it kind of helps open up new possibilities by changing the initial sort of paradigm of that construction. And I guess um, you've really packaged that new DI2 battery placement really well. It actually now, you know, having a look at the frame sets and everything, seeing the detail of that, now to me it actually seems more like it should be there, you know, because quite often a DI2 battery sitting in the seat tube, there's some sort of adapter, there's some sort of bung, there's something in there that's got to try and hold it, which to me always seemed a bit Heath Robinson. It seemed a little bit kind of thrown together, whereas mm-hmm. this is a, there's a, there's an actual port. It's it's molded into the frame. That battery just pushes in there. It's nice and stable. So it seems like a real opportunity where you've you've evolved using a, a, a third party's 
equipment to, mm. to, to create a real advantage. Um, and the other intriguing thing is, like I mean, when we were talking about the, the bike earlier, is even though we're dealing with a, effectively a seat post that's about 15 mil wide, you've somehow managed to retain the same compliance characteristics of the old Evo. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a, a sort of impossible challenge, really. I mean, yeah, if you... It's only impossible if you uh, if you give up, I guess. But uh, yeah, one we of, almost did. <laughs> yeah, it certainly presented some challenges. And when I sort of pitched some of these ideas, as people sit in the room and be like, "Okay, like, what are you going to do about this?" Um, I think uh, to bring in some of our other <clears throat> product learnings, if you take a look at Topstone with its kingpin. Kingpin is not just about the bushing, it's about understanding how all the members of the frame flex together in this sort of active leaf spring system. And so by understanding which elements are contributing to that motion, we can start to use that in other forms of road bike design. So on this bike, whilst the top of the seat tube is a lot deeper and more of an aerofoil, the lower part of the seat tube, which is far more free from aerodynamic constraints, we're able to slim it down in the opposite dimension. So it's very thin front to back and wider, which gives it the ability to flex. And flexing near the BB translates to like more motion at the saddle because you mm -hmm. have a longer arm. So we're kind of able to, you know, by understanding these generation of bikes, we can refine each element of it, you know, better and better at each step. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from, from you know, looking at that, that seat tube, I mean, I saw quite a lot of um, elements of uh, previous generation synapse with, with the old power pyramid, mm -hmm. you know, Obviously, this has got an aero take on that, but Power Pyramid did the same thing. It broadened, but it's super flattened at the bottom, mm -hmm. all about introducing compliance. So I guess, you know, that synapse is before your time at Cannondale, but do you find yourself delving into the archive because Cannondale's always been an innovative brand? That's, that's sort of the beauty of Cannondale, which is um, despite being maybe potentially considered smaller than other big players in the uh, pro peloton circuit, we are over 50 years old and the generational knowledge that comes with that and the trickle down of technology, um, experience, uh, successes, failures, all of these things um, get imbued into every new model and platform we introduce. So uh, Nathan just mentioned Topstone as an exaggeration of what we've learned from drop seats days. The predecessor to Topstone's exaggeration of drop stays were actually race bikes, right? So our um, dropping the stays on bikes like System 6 and Super 6 Evo Generation 3 actually helped us understand that, that uh, characteristic of drop seats days and um, then Topstone helped us learn even more. So Nathan mentioned the bottom end of that seat tube and flex um, occurring around the bottom bracket as a possible place to save, uh, to apply comfort. Another area is the back of the top tube. So right before it transitions into the seat post, uh, seat tube area, that's another member we can take advantage of in the structure of the bike to provide more rider seated comfort. And so uh, I guess moving on from, from the frame, some of the other elements that we'll talk, we'll talk about, because it seems that this bike has, has been a much more holistic approach. I mean, especially now that you guys have hologram wheels, there's the componentry side of things, there's the accessory side. I mean, with the, the bottle cages are quite intriguing. You've yeah. effectively <laughs> taken the standard big volume bottle, shaved the sides off, made a bottle case that's compatible with your proprietary bottle, but it's also compatible with normal bottles too. Yeah. Um, and I guess 
those bottles, it, it, we, were, we were talking earlier and I was sort of saying, oh, is, it, is it for the design of this bike? But you, you think the advantage of that shape will enhance any bike? Probably, yeah. I mean, I can't speak to exactly what it translates to on different frames, for example, but typically a water bottle is a lot bigger than any sort of contemporary down tube. And so in terms of aerodynamic drag, the air has to get around everything that's there. And if you've just got a big cylinder sitting in the way, that's aerodynamically inefficient and likely the widest shape. So, you know, sometimes you can put like fairings or, you know, we looked at, could we do a, a like cage that kind of fared the bottle in different ways? And the bottle is still the same width and that restricts how much drag you can save. Often it's close to zero. And so we flipped that thinking around a little bit and we're like, all right, how about we make the cage take any bottle and then we make a bottle that is going to step things forward a little yeah. bit. But the bottles, unlike most aero bottles, which, you know, they fall over, they're awkward to handle, et cetera, et cetera. Right. One of the key things when you design this bottle was it, it needed to be able to stand up to be able to fill it comfortably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's got a traditional open wide mouth. So, yep. yeah, it's easy to use on the bike. I mean, you do have to think about how you're orientating it when you're putting it back in. But, you know, you do that with any any aero bottle. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was a lot of thought went into how this fits together. So the, the groove on that the cage and the ridge on the bottle and the different uh, textures around it mm -hmm. sort of trying to make things as easy as possible and it is obviously a small learning curve over a round bottle which is obviously axisymmetric but um we found for most riders they pick it up pretty quickly yeah. so if that's something you want to you know if you really want that extra little little bit of a kick then the bottles give a little bit of an edge on the on the top of the rest of the package i mean did you uh, did you investigate figures when you were wind tunnel testing this of the Evo 4 with standard bottles yep. against the aero bottles. Yep. So what are the, you know, are the savings? Uh, it's around about three watts at 45 kilometers an hour. It, Pretty big from just the bottle, yeah. especially when you consider that everyone's riding with bottles all the time. So you're kind of, it's a, most people have just considered it a constant. So if yeah. you can, if you can take that step. And it's kind of like if you brought out a whole new bike and said, this bike's three watts faster than the old one. Yeah, in know, some cases you, that you, is you, a new You'd be happy. <laughs> I mean, consider what people spend on uh, ceramic drivetrain components, and they at most save you two watts across yeah. an entire system, right? So we you can pump out a lot of power. Yeah, and you and it's still largely dependent on you. Yeah. Cool. I mean, uh, and then getting back to the to the the the, the core of the bike, the, it's for the first time you've now got four levels. Yes, we well, start uh, three, but yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you originally. You had standard carbon, you had high mod, and then you might have a black ink or a limited edition. Mm -hmm. Now we've got carbon, we've got high mod, and we've got the new Lab 71. So this mm -hmm. is the halo product of a whole yeah. new way of thinking for Canada. We're going yes. to see more Lab 71 throughout the whole range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this will Lab 71 as a family of product really speaks to our uh, desire to just push on the status quo of what can be delivered in a production bicycle. So that includes boutique specifications such as the ceramic speed bottom bracket, the Argo 00 Mobius saddle um, featured under the Lab 71 Super 6 Evo, and then a cross bike such as uh, Scalpel, um, even Motera, right? So we're really trying to broaden the scope of um, luxury and performance within Cannondale product and really isolate it to that very tippy top of the uh, top of the spear there. So if we're talking like basic numbers, I mean, mm -hmm. what is the pinnacle of the range in 
normal Cannondale world, the high mod. I mean, yeah. that fr this new frame set in a 56 fully painted, all the hardware is what, 800 and? 810 grams. So it's still uh, right up there yeah. with all of its competitors. But if you move up to Lab 71, then that weight drops to yeah. 770. You're saving almost, uh, in some cases, over 5% Per, uh, depending on what size, and that's a 770 gram frame painted size 56. Right. So, how? <laughs> we do that through, I mean, I can't go into crazy detail because it's uh, somewhat proprietary information, but we use a uh, new carbon fiber uh, that we call Series Zero, and we combine that with our nano resin that has something been something we've popularized on bikes such as the Super 6 Nano. And uh, what it allows us to do is in particular areas of the frame where we used to have to use two plies uh, for um, either lateral or, or torsional stiffness, we can now use one. And that reduction in ply count is how we're able to save weight. Um, the special sauce when working with this, this fiber is not so much just making a bike and then throwing this, this fiber at it. You actually need to design to the fiber. And we've had it, we took, it took many years um, to really master how to design to the fiber. And that was also considered in the design of the, or the development of the bike, not just the aerodynamic performance and the weight goals, but also how can we make um, this fi new fiber sing? So, I mean, taking it, the, the range as a whole then, um, as, as it launches, we're looking at the carbon model is you know, all the bike most people will ever need with mm -hmm. Tegra DI2. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then we're rising up to the flagship models with Dura-S DI2 or SRAM Red and your SL wheel set, your RSL wheel set rather mm -hmm. than a standard SL. Um, it's a quite a concise range. And I know the whole industry has been struggling with kind of supply chain issues, et cetera, and availability mm -hmm. of everything. So will we see, as we do currently with the Evo, are we going to see... 105 mechanical bikes are we going to see are we going to see that because for me that that kind of level of evo i mean it's a bike that i you know generation three i made bike of the year with the 105 mm -hmm. mechanical group because i just thought it was the perfect jump off point so you could race yeah it was affordable and it was imminently upgradable right um is that still going to be a goal of, of evo That will certainly be a goal of Super 6 Evo. Uh, we plan in 24 to introduce some uh, more diverse uh, specification levels to the lineup. But for now, um, as we ramp up production, particularly post uh, bike boom and pandemic, um, we're really focusing at the top end of the lineup and delivering bikes uh, with electronic specification to begin with. Okay. I guess um, my final question would be, and it's the same question to both of you, but individual answers, please. Um, on the new Evo, what are you most proud of that you've achieved with it? Shall I go first? You should. Uh, the thing I'm most proud of, I, it's, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but it's really the package. So for me, this bike started as a concept in a spreadsheet, basically, that I was pitching to Sam to be like, I think I can make this, like as a team, I think we can pull this off. And the fact that what we have here is so close in performance to what I envisage that we could pull off, that's kind of the thing I'm most proud of as, as like a team of what we've been able to pull together and bringing all that knowledge into one place. And it's basically hit all the targets that I kind of put forward, what, three years ago. 
Yeah, that uh, that perfectly feeds into my my feeling about our success within the bike, which is that we not only delivered a bike that is um, undeniably high performance, um, already gaining get gaining results in the real world race scenarios, um, but it's really easy to live with. So we took everything Nathan showed us we could achieve, we achieved it, and uh, to button it all up, we made a bike that is uh, user-friendly, it delivers a fantastic riding experience, and it does so um, in a different way, which actually proves to be non-proprietary in the end. It gives our riders choice, and uh, at the end of the day, it gives them a brilliant ride and the best performance that money can buy. That seems like a great way to end it. So thanks for listening, and um, don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you again with uh, a full and exclusive review of the new Eva. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.